it's a wonderful morning, beautiful day, and uh, great worship. I don't know about you, but it's the grace of God that uh, what that's the that's I hold on to the grace of God more than anything else because if you if you've been the prodigal in your life, or if you just understanding how deserving we are of of death and of hell, and understand the grace of God, you realize that God has worked so much in our favor and he's given so much and what more can he give give than his own precious son and purchase for us eternal life you think about that you know we're going to be in heaven those of us who are believers with no no more sorrow no more pain no more aging no more gray hair unless you like gray hair no more crinkling of bones no more memory loss And being with Jesus in eternal, eternal bliss and wonderment and worship of the Son of God—it's just I'm just looking forward to that. And so, anyway, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open up to Genesis 41. Genesis 41, and we are not going to go through the entire chapter on this chapter because uh, it's a longer chapter, the last few chapters, and like. I can't do it all. Genesis 41, we are studying the life of Joseph. And uh, I'm going to read the first 37 verses and we'll see how far we get. Yes, I know. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he was standing by the Nile. And behold, the Nile, from the Nile, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the reeds. Then behold, seven other cows came up from after them, from the Nile, ugly and thin, and they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly and thin cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He again fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. And behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream." Now it happened that in the morning his spirit was troubled. So he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men, and Pharaoh recounted to them his dream. But there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I would bring to remembrance today my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants, and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. And we had a dream on the same night. He and I, each of us, dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was with us a Hebrew youth, a slave of the captain of the bodyguard, and we recounted to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. 
And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He, Pharaoh, restored me in my office, but he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they rushed out, rushed him out of the pit, and he shaved himself and changed his clothes, and he came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it. Yet I have heard it said about you that you hear a dream and you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will answer concerning the welfare of Pharaoh. So Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, In my dream, behold, I was standing on the bank of the Nile. Behold, seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile, and they grazed in the reeds. And behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and lean, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt in regard to ugliness. And the lean and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. But they devoured them, and yet it could not be known that they had devoured them, for they were just as ugly as before. Then I awoke. Then I saw also my dream, and behold, seven ears full of good, full and good, came up on a single stalk. And behold, seven ears withered and thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the good seven, ear, seven good ears. So I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could declare it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has declared to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. And the seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven lean ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt, and after them seven years of famine will arise, and all the abundance of the land will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land, so that the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine, for it will be very heavy. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is confirmed by God, and God will quickly bring it about. So now, Pharaoh, let Pharaoh look for a man of understanding and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh take action and appoint overseers over the land, and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food in those good years that are coming, and let them store up for the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority, and let them keep watch over it. And let the food be appointed to the land for seven years of famine, which will happen in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not be cut off during the famine. And the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Wow. Joseph who has, of course, been away from his family for now 13 years. And if you look at the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis is 50 chapters long. And it starts with one man, Adam, 
And it's going to end with one family, the family of Jacob, the family of Israel. Half of Genesis is about Jacob and his family. And this section we're in is significant because God sends Joseph ahead to preserve his family. Because God sees in the future that there will be a famine that will devastate the whole area. Joseph is sent, he doesn't realize or he'll, he'll recognize it later on that he's being sent by God. 13 years he's been gone from his family. The last time he saw his family was his brothers ignoring him while he's in the pit crying out for help. He has been in Egypt for 13 years, much of that working for for Potiphar. And then we don't know how much... He's been in prison for a couple years as well, at least two years. Two years has passed since he interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. The last time he heard of the cupbearer was, hey, I'll tell... Hey, keep me in mind. Remember me when you go to Pharaoh. But for some reason, as the previous chapter says, the cupbearer completely forgot about Joseph. Two years have gone by. And now we're at the standpoint, at the place of the story of Joseph, that's the turning point of the whole thing. See, God doesn't need to have much happen to turn around people's lives, amen? Now, Joseph doesn't know how long he's supposed to be there, right? So, as I get into this, I kind of want to just sort of break this down. It's 37 verses, a long, long thing. So let's break this down, okay, the sections. First of all, the first seven verses, we're going to look at the dream of Pharaoh. That's significant. Okay, so let's look, look there. Pharaoh has these dreams, right? And it says that two full years have passed since the last chapter. Joseph has been consistently helping out in prison. Two years have, have passed since the cup here left. Two years of waiting, 13 years away from family. He does not know when the end is in sight. See, because we're looking afterwards, looking. You know, but in life, you and I don't have the perspective, do we? We don't have the perspective that, that God tells us, hey, this is only going to last so many years. In fact, sometimes God allows you to go through things where there may be never be an end. But the question is, will you still be faithful even if there's no quick turning around? Will you be faithful wherever God has you? Now, Joseph was chosen because God had you know, selected him, and God has selected him for bigger purposes. But Joe doesn't know that. All he knows, he shouldn't be there in prison. He's, mis- he's mistreated, but he's entrusted. Two years of getting up every day in prison and probably helping out. And after a while, it gets kind of monotonous, right? You get the sh- two years of just going through the monotony of prison life, not knowing, is my life meaning anything, or am I, dis- am I forgotten, God? Have you... Have you forgotten about me? And we talked about that last week. Joseph, of course, is, he is a faithful person because he's not, he's, he's not uh, uh, self-focused. So it says in verse 1 that Pharaoh has a dream. Now, Pharaoh, of course, is in the palace. Joseph's in prison. Pharaoh's in the palace. Joseph interprets the dreams while in the prison, but then Pharaoh is locked away in his palace. Pharaoh, of course, uh, uh, demonstrates royal power. He is, he is a great man of power. Egypt is a strong, powerful nation. And you can't just walk into Pharaoh's presence. You can't just advise Pharaoh. You have to be invited. You have to be in that. But somehow, what is closed off to man is not closed off to God because God is the one who gives Pharaoh these dreams. See, sometimes we have to remember as a church, we have to pray for our leaders, don't we? 
Some of us, maybe us, the best we can get to the president is going to the White House on the White House tour, but we're not his advisors, but we can pray that God would take the advisors and speak in such a way as to direct his heart, right? We have more power than they do. Why? Because we have a God that can go pass through all those walls and all those security checks. And we, we know that the scripture says that the heart of the king is in the, in the hands of God and he can direct it however he wants, amen? So let's not be discouraged over things of the world, but let's also say, hey, let's try this. Let's pray to God that he would change the hearts of our leaders. Pharaoh has his dream. And Pharaoh, of course, you know, thinks he's something great. In that time, Pharaoh would have been considered a god. And Pharaoh would have had a lot of power. And he thinks he's something, but Pharaoh, it turns out, is just a man. Because Pharaoh can't hide from the power of God, amen? See, man, see, the people think, there's people who think they're great until God shows up and shows them otherwise, you know? We, we see later on in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and Nebuchadnezzar is a powerful king. And he too has a troubling dream. Except his dream, of course, in and, and both his, and his dream, God's, uh, the interpretation is God's showing you what's going to happen in the future, like in the long-distance future. And he had to bring in somebody to interpret it. So Pharaoh has a dream, and out of the Nile comes these cows. Now, the Nile in Egypt, of course, is very significant. That's, it's the, lifehood of, uh, the livelihood of, of Egypt. It's the strength of Egypt. The Nile River, it, it overfloods, and if, and, or, over, over, not, it, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It goes beyond the banks. Overflows. See, it's a group project, right? Right. <laughs> it overflows, and and the it, it, you know waters, and, and it brings the silt, and it bring, you know helps the nutrients and all that. And they can count at it, right? And note, and not the Nile is the longest river in the world. It actually is a north flowing river, which is kind of cool, right? And they would have, and the Nile would have been associated with Pharaoh. In fact, some of the pharaohs even boasted that that the Nile was their strength. And of course, you know, God said otherwise. You know, it's like wait. But this would have been the source of Egypt's life, of its entire economy. And for something bad to happen with the Nile would have been saying, you're, you're, you're powerless or you're lacking power. The seven good cows are good, right? They're fat, they're sleek, they're beautiful. And they're, and they're taking a dip in the Nile to, to get out of the heat and to get out of the bugs. But then you have these, these ugly cows. And the Hebrew says that they are... The word is ra, which is evil looking. They're just, ugh, you don't want to look at them. They're so gross, you know. And they eat these cows, and it's troubling to Pharaoh. And then, he, of course, he has a dream about the ears, which is the same kind of dream. The idea is that, is that God is going to do something in the future. Now, just a comment about dreams. Okay, God may give some people dreams, but our ultimate revelation is through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1 says, right, God, in times past, in many ways, has spoken, right, through various methods and everything, but in these last days, has spoken through His Son. You want revelation, you turn to the Scripture. Don't turn to some, you know, dream interpreters out there. You turn to Christ. You turn to, to the Word of God, you know. Until you have exhausted and mastered this, this is where God speaks primarily, amen? Now, there's times when God can give you direction, but my point is, this is all where it's at, right? It's through Christ. Vero doesn't know that. He's about to find out, though. Let's go to verse 8, which is the distress of Pharaoh. 
Now in the morning, it happened that his spirit was troubled. He's upset. He gets up and he's like, okay, this is troubling. And of course, they interpreted dreams like it was the God speaking. So something's going on and Pharaoh is upset and he has to know, what does this mean? Uh, the word for troubled, it means to be uh, distressed or afflicted or in danger. And the psalmist uses this word where he says in Psalm 77, 4, I am so troubled that I can't speak. So he's really upset. And some people think, what did you eat the night before? I don't know. I've never, I never believed that whole, you know, you must eat. I've never heard of a food giving somebody a bad dream. It can give you heartburn, <laughs> but a bad dream, I don't know. I don't trust that. But Pharaoh is upset. And here's a man who is used to being in control. Here is a man who is used to dictating and having no threats and no opposition. And here's a man who is used to having things according to his plan. And God is interrupting and giving this dream and he's distressed. So it says he sent and called for his musicians. These were wise men. These were soothsayers. Uh, we see it later in the book of Exodus when Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And he throws down the staff and it turns into a snake. His magicians did the same thing, except they were limited. They couldn't do as much. There was something about the power of God they could not imitate or overcome. And Pharaoh was troubled and he sent for his wise men. Who are your counselors when time goes bad? When trouble comes to your life, who do you turn to? Now, the world, they may turn to astrology, or they may turn to the horoscopes, they may turn to you know, their girlfriend, or whatever. Who do you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, who do you turn to? Are you turning to that nonsense? Are you turning to one who has perspective on godly things, or are you turning to something or someone that has no perspective on godly things, but it is a selfish, worldly perspective? Who do you turn to? I mean, in times like this, he needs good advice. And guess what happens? They have nothing to say. They just like, we have no idea. We have, we, we don't, we don't have no idea. We, uh, we don't know what this means. Or maybe they just knew and they just, they, they were too afraid, but I think they don't realize what's going on. Some of us are distressed about what's going to happen in the future. The world is distressed, isn't it? The world has no idea where history is going. We do. God has told us in his word. Have we forgotten that Christ is one? Have we forgotten at the in the end he's king king is the lord of lords and he rules, amen. Have we forgotten that? That everything in your life is filtered through the hands and eyes of God and wisdom of God. And if you're a child of Jesus, you're a child of the Lord, yeah, we're going to go through distress. We're going to go through difficult times. We know that. But Christ is a victor. Amen? Jesus says, the world's going to have trouble. It's going to give you trouble. It's going to give you a hard time. But I've overcome the world. Are you trusting in God to, with your future? Do you trust that He can bring you through? Do you trust that He can deliver your soul from death? Do you trust Him? Are you trusting Him now? Are you going through something that is distressing and you don't know what to do? Turn to Jesus. Trust in Him. Now most of our prayers are like, God, 
give me out and prevent me from happening again. But if God so allows distress to happen, let it be a continuous turning to Christ. I don't know about you, sometimes I have to turn off the news and I have to turn off social media because it's the same thing and gets me down. I have to turn, I have to turn to having a perspective that says, this is what's, what's going on. As believers, we should know this more than anything else. Why? Because someday the world may say, we need answers. Does the church have answers? Remember 9-11 happened? Churches were full. What's happening? You know, what an opportunity. Um, let us not be called asleep. Right? We'll get to that in a second. Let's look at the discovery, verses 9 through 13. The cupbearer happens to hear and he says, oh, Oy vey, I forgot. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and of course, he carefully recounts. He says, Hey, I got in trouble with Pharaoh. Pharaoh's great, great guy. I got in trouble. And we were there, and me and the, and the baker had a dream. And this, he doesn't remember the guy's name. A Hebrew youth. He doesn't say Joseph. He says, Some Hebrew kid. In an Egyptian jail. Unknown. I mean, just think about this. The cupbearer is talking to Pharaoh, the president, right? The prime minister, the king, about some little lad stuck in jail. And Joseph has no idea. He wakes up in the morning, puts on his sandals, puts his clothes on, washes up, and he does his thing. Does his thing. He has no idea the conversations that's happening about him. I just wonder how God works that, you know? How oftentimes God is doing things without you realizing, using maybe something you've said to unlock somebody's door. For His glory, of course. Amen? And you just go about faithful. You just go about faithful. He says, hey, listen... um, there's this kid, he interpreted my dreams, and everything he said was correct, right? This kid, who's forgotten by my, I forgot about him, but you know something? Man may forget, God never forgets, amen? God does not forget. Boy, sometimes it feels like he forgets, but he does not forget. He knows where he has you, he knows where he's using you, he knows what you're going through, and for some holy, wise, good reason he's allowing you, and maybe there's a time where he's going to use those experiences to help somebody else out, or maybe he's going to use it for his glory to purify your worship of him and your dependency on him. I don't know, but guess what? Either way, if you're in God's memory in your mind, you're not forgotten, amen? He says, this young boy gave me perspective on what's happening. See, I just want to say as a church and as, as it's important as a Christian, we have a biblical perspective and worldview on life. And if we're too vis- busy vacillating between is this true, is this not true, is this the Word of God, we're not going to be any help to anyone. Either this is the Word of God or it's not. And if it is the Word of God, it's the Word of God. How could we not? Devote our lives to the study and prayer and understanding and to living it. How can we not? How can we leave it on this on the shelf dusty? It is the words of life. 
You say, Pastor, I don't understand it. That's where you come to church and I help you out, you know. But the point is, is that God has spoken. And as a Christian, let it be that our mind, our way of thinking is so ingrained with the Word of God that, that we begin to think like God thinks. Now, to a point, obviously God thinks God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. But He has given His Word so that as we speak and as we perceive life, we can give godly perspective to the a lost and dying world that they have no idea, Right? And when God calls a number, hey, bring Joe up, we're ready. Because when Joe goes into Pharaoh's presence, he doesn't him and haw. He doesn't say, gulp, um, I'm before the great mighty Pharaoh. Why? Because behind Pharaoh, he sees an almighty God. And his fear is not of Pharaoh, his fear is of God. His devotion is not to Pharaoh, it's devoted to God. And whether he's talking to a ravaged person or to a king, his answer is the same. Um, God's in control, you're not. God's telling you the future. By the way, I'm going to help you understand that. Over and out. See you later, right? How do you interpret the events of your life? Do you even have a Christian worldview and perspective? That's, you know, that's, that's a whole other discussion, right? You vacillate on that. You're on shaky ground. God's the Lord. Jesus Christ is His Son. His Word is true. He's coming back. And I may not understand every single verse, but I'm going to pour over and seek Him and search for Him with all my heart. And let it be that I hide His Word in my heart. Let it be that I hold on to into even one syllable of His Word. And let it be if somebody bumps me, Bible verses come out. And let it be that my, I think my perspective is... But here's the thing. How can you have a, a godly perspective if you're busy watching TikTok all day long and YouTube videos all day long? Nobody here does that. Okay, so. <clears throat> Stepping on toes. Let's look now at the divine reversal. Verse 14. Oh, this is great. This is like the turning of the story. This is where... This is like we've been waiting here 13 years of waiting to this point, and Joe doesn't realize it. He gets the phone call. Verse 14. Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they rushed him out. You talk about the, the, the urgency of getting this, youth, this Hebrew unnamed youth to talk and give advice to the Pharaoh when he's got magicians and counselors and soothsayers and all that kind of stuff, and they're not helping him. One. And this little boy, this young man now, he's not a little boy anymore, but he's rushed out. They rush him out. He shaves himself. By the way, as a Hebrew, he would have grown his beard, probably longer hair. Of course, he probably smells a little bit. Who knows? But as Egyptian, he has to be clean-shaven. Shave the head, shave the beard, you know, the whole thing, they, they, you know, that's, that's the thing. So he's going before the king, the pharaoh, and of course he's going appropriately. He's going to make sure he smells, looks, looks nice, and so he's going to come and, and dress up for pharaoh and, and you know, be presentable, and that's understandable. And he comes to pharaoh, and pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, no one can interpret it. I've heard you say that you can interpret the dream. He sent for Joseph. I just love how that is in the timing of God. The advancement comes from God and no one else. Amen? God moves one person up. He moves another person down. It is a God who exalts one and, and, and puts down another, as the psalmist says. 
in Luke 1, I think it's Mary who comments that he has brought down rulers from their thrones and he exalted those who were humble. And here he brings Joseph. Joseph, the most unlikely of characters, the most unlikely of people that the world is turning to, Pharaoh is turning to for help. And while Joseph was in prison, he is not bitter. He still has good character. He has integrity. He's the same person in, in jail, in prison, or at the palace. See, maybe in the waiting times, you're supposed to work on your character and your integrity. You're supposed to work on being ready whenever you're called upon and cultivating a godly life and purifying and working through those things, you know? And maybe God has is, is gifted you, but maybe He's honing you and preparing you for whatever your next assignment is. He sends for Joseph. I've had this dream. And it said, it said, verse 15, hey, you're, hey you can interpret dreams, boy. And I love Joseph's humility here. Look at verse 16. I mean, this is huge. Because some guys stay, stay awake, stay, stay to the sidelines, and they're like, oh man, I'm called up. If I, I get up to, oh boy, I have so much to offer, right? What does he say? It's not in me. I imagine Pharaoh has waited. He's anticipating, get, get him here, quickly, quickly, quickly. Hey, I've heard you can interpret dreams. And the first words out of Joseph's mouth, not in me. It's not me. What? What? I, I thought... I love how Joseph has humility about him. When it's time to be used by God, do you glorify Him or yourself? Joseph does not presume himself. He recognizes his own ability. He says, it is not me, it's God. In fact, all we see in Joseph's life is constantly pointing others to God, Right? Same thing with the cupbearer. Doesn't interpretations come from God? That's his way of life. Constantly pointing people to God. This is, this is how he is. It's not me, it's God. So some people are so impressed with what the gifts they had, they forget the gifts are from God Almighty. And the gifts are not to point and have you look at yourself. It's all to deflect to God. Amen? You look at the Apostle Paul, who, of course, is a man greatly used by God. He wrote a lot in the New Testament. But he says in 1 Corinthians 15, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not even fit to be an apostle because I persecute the church of God. He goes, I, yeah, I'm smart. I was a Pharisee. I'm, I, I'm intelligent. But he goes, I am the least of the apostles. It's only by the grace of God that I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove in vain. Joseph is confident not in himself, but in his God. Amen? Let it be that we don't glory in ourself or our strength or our intelligence or in everything we can do. Let it be that we understand that every single thing is given by God. You may be eloquent, that's from God. You may have humility, that's also from God. You may have great intelligence, that's from God. You may have be a great leader. That's from God. Everything is from God. 
everything. You may look at somebody else and say, I'm better than everyone else in this room. And you say, you'll be bow the knee because you're not better than Jesus. He, he's the one who has given you that. Joseph says, it's not in me. I'm not the one who is. I don't even have power to make my head gray or not, except the Grecian formula was not that that time, you know. <laughs> I'm just a servant. I'm not the source. I'm not the foundation. I'm just a vessel. Don't look at me. Look to God. Before Pharaoh, he could have said, Pharaoh, hey, you got the man. Hey, if you point me to a post, I can, I can make things happen for you. I can interpret dreams. We can have this little... He doesn't do that. Why? Because he honors God. Joseph is humble, and humility is a sign of maturity. Man, I know guys who are so impressed with themselves. And those people who are impressed with themselves are not humble. And God can't use a prideful man. He needs to use a humble man. Humility is where it's at. Hear the humility of Christ as he's washing his disciples' feet, right? See his humility as he's taking up the towel. The, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Son of Almighty God that even demons are afraid of, say, Lord, don't send us to the abyss. And here Jesus takes up a towel and he humbly washes his disciples' feet. If you say that's beneath me, you're not following Jesus. What if some man came to our church who was filthy and needed a cleaning and, and needed the gospel? Would we be too proud to associate with him? Or would we, would we have humility and say, my Lord was humble. I want to take care of you, sir. I want to serve you, ma'am. I want to, I want to help you. Let us have that kind of heart. Amen? Joseph says, it's not me. It's the Lord. He knows he lacks power. He does not boast of himself. He boasts in the fact, he says, God will answer Pharaoh. Look at the confidence he has. It's not me, but God will answer Pharaoh. Not, oh, I don't know. God will answer. Let us have that confidence in the Lord to work for his glory. The one who is to be used by God must be aware of his own limitations but he must be quick also to give attention to God. Joseph is not a man of self-promotion, but a man of great humility, even before a great king. And I love how the fact that throughout Scripture, God uses the most unlikely of people. Moses was a murderer. He killed somebody. He also stuttered. Okay, if I'm going to pick a person to be a leader who, 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 I want him to speak well, Moses can't, he stutters. <laughs> right? David is the youngest of his brothers. He's not the tall, dark, and handsome. He's the young, he's good looking, but he's a, he's a sheep, he's young, he's a grump boy. But boy, does he have a heart for God. He also killed somebody. Slept with somebody's wife and had the husband killed. That's in the Bible. I mean, I can go through all of Scripture. Right? The people that God chose. Tax collectors. Matthew? He's a traitor. He's Jewish, but he's working for the Romans? That didn't go down well when he came home and said, Mom, Dad, I got a new job. I'm a tax collector. Wait, wait, you're What? Who does Jesus' uh, angels appear to when Christ is announced his birth? They appear to 
shepherds, the unclean, they worked in the fields, they smell, they're unclean, stay away, we don't want to be associated with you, you're too dirty, he appears to shepherds. And then he chooses people like Peter, you know, fishermen. How many guys like to be around fish? If it's good fish and it doesn't smell, I'm great in a restaurant. But if you want to fish, you got to clean up. He smelled, right? And they probably didn't have the best of, you know, they probably weren't the most clean people. And they probably let a couple of foul languages out there when their net's broken, things like that. You know, they're human beings, right? And God yet chooses those kind of people. He does not go to Jerusalem Seminary to pick on the best rabbis. And when he does choose a rabbi named Saul, who's very smart, boy, does he bring him through the ringer and let him be humble. Amen? What's my point? God uses the most unlikely of characters. And sometimes he picks you to use your weakness, not your strength. God, I don't have confidence and I can't talk. Great, you're just my leader right here. Why? Because I'm going to have to be the one that gives you what you need. And if you are eloquent and very strong leadership, which is nothing wrong with that, you would give glory to yourself and not to me. And guess what? And most people we even pick you, Moses. You're just, you know, I was a kid, I was the last one being picked in the sports, right? Little Johnny Cord. Don't ever call me Johnny. <laughs> the wrath of John will come by. But that's what they call me when I was little. Again, my grandmother, if my mom's watching, little Johnny Cord, I wasn't the fast, I mean, I was quick, but I wasn't the biggest one. I was, a lot of times, I was the last one picked. I don't know where that came from, but Joseph, and who God uses. And then when they announced to, to they announced to, to disciples, they, Philip tells Nathaniel, hey, hey, we found the Messiah, Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, oh, wait, can anything good come to Nazareth? Nazareth was like, he had been in Las Vegas. You know, it was kind of like, you know, unknown and kind of wasn't, you know, Nazareth was real small and anything good. What Nazareth? And Messiah comes from Nazareth. Don't seek to become something or someone great. Seek to become a more faithful and humble servant of the Lord. Give glory to God for your victories. And don't rush ahead of God's plan and timing. Give glory to God wherever He uses you. However He uses you. Whenever He uses you. It's not me, it's God. Bless the Lord. Amen? I'm going to stop here because... The, my, the rest of my sermon is another sermon in itself. We're going to have communion. I'm going to pray. I'll give instructions on communion. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you, just like Joseph, uh, Joseph was exactly where you needed him to be. You wanted him to be. And during the time when he was living in obscurity, you were working on his character and perhaps refining him and preparing from that day when he would be used. Lord, let it be, wherever we find ourselves, Lord, help us to grow in, in trust and faithfulness with you, Lord. Help us to draw near to you wherever we are at. If we're going through pain, Lord, help us to draw near to you. Maybe we're distracted with the things of life and how the world is going the way it's going. 
But let that not shake our foundation, Lord, because you're a God who does not change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You you declare the end from the beginning. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You know the plans that you have for our lives. You know the number of days you have instructed for us and ordained for us. And let it be, Lord, that we take every opportunity to seek you, to live for you, to learn of you, and to learn of Christ, our Savior, our Lord, of his humility and of his gentleness and his patience. Let us become a people like Jesus. God, I pray for anyone who is here today, whether physically or watching online, who is, they feel like they're in the prison. And they feel like they're not usable or forgotten, Lord. Let it be, Lord, that they are encouraged with the reminder that that you are with them and that you're working in their lives for something for your glory. Help us, Lord, to encourage one another, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.